Hello and welcome to From Fear to Fire, Secrets to Overcome Fear, Embrace Your Gifts, and Achieve Success. This is the place where real people share real challenges, where you can find a common bond and uncommon wisdom through their journeys to help you move from fear to fire. I am Heather Hansen O'Neill. I'm your host, and I wanted to let you know that we have a new resource available for you. You know that I speak a lot to generating energy and momentum and clearing through movement. So we have a free resource called Top 10 Actions to Increase Energy and Results. You can find that in the show notes. And of course, we start with the quote of the day. Today's quote of the day is by Maya Angelou, and it is still, like air, I rise. And so today, we have a wonderful guest. Her name is Lana Makara, and she is an award-winning, best-selling author and ghostwriter of over 30 titles. Lana is a spiritual advisor who uses a combination of brain science and spiritual healing to release the beautiful, unstoppable person inside of you. She's developed a process called the gentle flow technique that does this work quickly and easily without reactivating the pain and trauma. You can learn more about Lana and get a link on our show notes as well. But let's get right to it and introduce her. Hello, Lana. How are you today? Hi, Heather. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be with you today. Well, we're excited to have you. Why don't you give just a, a little bit of a, a backstory? Tell us where you come from and uh, what brought you where you are here today. Wow, that's a that's a in two a minutes. No, I'm novel. kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just the cliff notes really yeah. quick. <laughs> uh, I'm the child of a teenage mother. My mother was 16 when I was born and she came from a horrendous background. She was unprepared. And so my abusive childhood started within days after I probably just as soon as I came home from the hospital. Um and so, you know, it just went on from there. From the beginning of my life, I ended up with an eating disorder because I was hungry as a child and all kinds of things that happened. Uh, so I came up, you know, in a difficult situation from the beginning. And uh, as I grew up, I was the oldest of five children, too much responsibility, way too young. And both my parents were massive uh, textbook narcissists, both of them. <laughs> So you have one, but not two in the same household. That's that's incredible. Go ahead. It didn't last long, uh, needless to say. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So, uh, you know, it just went from one thing to another. And um, I don't talk about this a lot uh, because, you know, I don't like to stir up those feelings of childhood abuse and sexual abuse and all kinds of things because my my mother married a psychopath. Uh, who had been in and out of mental hospitals, and she was only married to my father for a little over a decade, but she was married to him for 24 years, and, you know, he was like a marauder in the middle of these five kids uh, who had not experienced anything like what he brought to the table up until then. So that began a pattern, you know, of uh, survival, self-protection, distrust, and uh, a lot of control, you know, to control everything, to stay safe. That's really what my foundational belief system was, you know, as a, as a child growing up and, and even as a, um, an adult for, for many years. And so that's really where I came from. 
Now, as you're, you know, as you're growing, did you feel this need because you were the oldest of five? Did you feel like you, you had to protect the, the siblings? Like there must have been so many different dynamics that were involved. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, even as uh, adults, my one of my younger brothers would come to me and say, you know, you're my real mom. He would hug me and say, you're my real mom. Yeah. Um, and I was only, I think, seven when my brother was born. So that just gives you a picture of the dynamic of the family. And I was always shielding and protecting and trying to keep them from voicing any kind of opinion or need in the presence of uh, the adults in the, in the ha- house who really weren't acting like adults. Right. <laughs> acting like adults. Yeah. So. And how um, did you, when did you first start to realize like how different this was and how it was impacting your life? It's, it was school. Because uh, school was like our safety net. I, we all excelled in school. And I loved school. I wanted to stay in school all the time because it was safe. I was respected. And, you know, because I, I was always a model student, I just wanted to be the best. One of my safety uh, mechanisms was if I'm the smartest person in the room, then I got this figured out. And so I became a workaholic before I was even a teenager, to try to be, you know, all the A's, always ahead of the game. And you know those scenarios we run in our mind, like five steps ahead to make sure every eventuality is covered? Yeah. Um, It made me a great project manager. (laughs) (laughs) I love love the silver lining, Lana. I really do. That's awesome. (laughs) So... How did you, like, how did you break out of that? Like, when did that happen for you? Uh, Well, I thought I had it figured out at age 21 when I married someone who was very religious. And in my mind, that was keeping myself safe. What I didn't realize was that I married a narcissist. (laughs) Oh, no. Who was just showing it in a different way. Um, And so I was married for 30 years to this person. So I had seven children and was in that religious environment. So what I usually say is I put myself into a straitjacket thinking that it was a safety net when actually it was just tying me down and holding me back from my true purpose and allowing my, my authentic self, you know, to show up. But as I became a published author and I began speaking and he was restricting my ability to travel and speak and so forth, and it was holding me back, I started to really expand out of those boundaries. I was, I was getting bigger than the situation and I, I couldn't tolerate the restraint anymore. And there was a whole series of events, but at age 52, I got in my car and I left and I, I left my marriage and I started a whole new life. That was really the, what I would call in the book world, inciting incident of mm-hmm. my expansion and renewal was when I left my husband. Uh, we'd been married for 30 years at that point. Wow. Yeah. And did you, were your kids grown at this point or were they not yet? Yes. Uh, my youngest son had was 18 and all the others were, were up to 30, 32. So they were all in that range all working jobs by this point and and basically on their own although four of my children were still living at home uh, they were young adults and so it just broke everything wide open and for two years my children had no contact with me it was a total disconnect they didn't want to see me they didn't want to call me Uh, 
um, it was hard. It was really so hard. they didn't they didn't recognize the situation for for what it was until later. Only my daughter. I have six sons and one daughter, and my daughter knew. Uh, as women in the house, you know, we kind of yeah. connected on that. But the all the boys, they totally sided with their father. They thought I was had gone crazy in some way. Oh my um, and it was uh, really hard. But, you know, as I look back on those days, because I ended up in uh, the woods in this ramshackle trailer. My rent was $600 a month. I was doing some administrative work in the office, in an office for two days a week just to pay the pay the rent. I had no resume for 30 years. I had just jumped out, like jumping off a cliff, and I didn't know what I was going to do for a job, you know, uh, getting a $7 or $9 an hour job or whatever back in those days. I wasn't going to do anything for me, you know. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I I got through that because... In that time, I was living almost like in a bubble, and it gave me the opportunity to do some introspection, to notice the patterns, and realize some things that I hadn't seen before. I did go for counseling, and it was a a huge eye-opener to me. That was when I first realized that I was married to a narcissist. I didn't even realize it up to that point. Mm -hmm. I, I was so clueless. All I was doing was following these blind patterns, this imprinting. And I had no idea. And, and that's what it took, really, to break that cycle and give me an opportunity to be who I truly am. And I love my life now. It's so much better. That's amazing. I mean, when we met, I could tell you had very positive energy about you and you can hear it in your voice. And I imagine you sound very different now than you did um, years back. How long did that transformation of personal awareness and healing take? From the time I left until I really felt like I was on my feet, it was seven years. Mm. There was so much programming, not just from my history of my childhood, but the religious programming and a lot of things about negativity about who I was, you know, and and the negative self-talk and the just all of that um, had it, it was broken down bit by bit, piece by piece. And at every stage, I felt better. And I just kept following that. OK, I feel better. I'm going to keep doing this. And then the next thing would happen. Oh, I feel better doing this. I'm going to do that. And yeah. and it was a process of just letting myself feel good. That's amazing. <laughs> you know, I love that because I think people underestimate the power of tuning into your emotions. And I think they think, well, oh, if I'm if I'm having fun, if I'm feeling good, if I'm joyful, there's almost something wrong with it. Like, you know, this isn't it's supposed to be hard work living. And <laughs> but actually, when you're following that joyful side of you, when you're feeling good, that's more in alignment with who you really are and who you're supposed to be, right? Definitely, definitely. It was hard for me to allow myself to be happy. Mm. Yeah, because suffering was, you know, had a premium. Like if you're suffering in my old life, uh, that, that's that got some merit to it. You know, you're really... Yeah 
digging in and doing the right thing. You got to suffer a little. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I know I felt that. And I know that a lot of my clients have felt the same thing that you have to be, it's got to be hard and it's got to be painful. (laughs) (laughs) Plus this is easy stuff. Oh my goodness. Now, I'm really curious about the the transition to being a spiritual advisor. Now you're an, an author, a ghostwriter. What how did you know to follow the spiritual side, the healing? Where did that come from? Wow, that was uh, a journey because through my through my religious background, right, my 30 years, and I was a Bible teacher, a women's mentor. I was really deep into that world. But so my spiritual side was awakened to a point. You know, I always felt that, felt that connection to source and and had that tuned in thing going on. Now, there was a period of time where I was looking up going, I don't even know who's up there. You know, I don't know what's going on. It's all like breaking down. and I have no idea. But when I got in tune with my authentic self more and more that part of me awakened in a bigger even deeper way but it was my daughter really that was the key to unlocking all of it for me and bringing me into space where I feel so in tune and so at peace inside as well and that was when she got very ill my daughter got very ill about five years into this process and she had Lyme's disease as well as chronic fatigue syndrome. She was very, very sick. She was 27 at the time, had graduated from college, but she was too sick to get a job. And she moved in with me and she needed someone to cook for her and help her. Sometimes she was so weak she couldn't even get out of the tub without help. So we went through that journey together And through what I saw her going through and her awakening as she was releasing and releasing a lot of the the things that had caused her to become ill, the negative self-talk and the judgments and and all of these shoulds and got tos that were just dragging her down and making it worse and worse until she became very, very sick. Uh, That was a process for the both of us through that time. And she's well now. She's back on her own. She's doing great. And through watching what she went through and what we went through together, we were both able to heal. We, we, we led each other, I think, on the journey through uh, that darkness and came out into the light at the end. And wow, it is so phenomenal on this side of things. Oh, that's beautiful. That releasing, you know, sometimes I do believe, you know, and there's, there's a lot of theories about being able to really look at and appreciate the difficulties in our life. And and that's what you're speaking to, kind of working and walking through that darkness to find the deeper self, the the light, the the goodness on the other side of it. That's that's incredible and how how wonderful that you were able to do that together. Now, you have a lot of things that have happened in your life. So for me to ask you, you know, about a, a challenge or a, a fearful time, you know, I, I don't know if you'd be hard pressed to choose one. Is there something that you learned, I guess, more focusing on the lesson regarding since this is from fear to fire, what lesson would you share with people about fear and how to work through it so that they can get to the light on the other side of it? 
What a great question. Up until my awakening, which, you know, was through that process with my daughter, my entire life was governed by fear on many different levels. I was had so many fears around being able to survive as a single woman in the workplace. I had fears about relationships and trusting people and and just so many fears, fears about health issues. And my daughter was so sick. Uh, and it was a lot of fear, layers and layers and layers of fear. And what I realized as I came through that is that the fears are there because of some outside thing that came in and told us a story and we mm -hmm. believed it, but it's just a story. And if we can recognize this is just a story, actually, we live in a wonderful, benevolent universe. We have love surrounding us. And if we can just get rid of the stories and and see the fallacies in them and release them then we can step into that place of empowerment because that's our natural place to be the story is the is the false part and that's what's creating the fear it's really really simple it's a simple concept sometimes it's very hard to release the story because they go so deep and mm -hmm. when i got into this whole thing of releasing those stories and all of that that's when I became a practitioner I started to take classes I wanted to find out <laughs> I wasn't yeah. happy to be having nightmares and dealing with the negative self-talk and that pit you know tight pit in my stomach and I was so tired of all that and I was out there on a crusade to find answers and I did and it was all about letting go of those stories that's I all. love that. That's so, and you're right. It's one of those things that's, you know, so simple, but uh, a little bit <laughs> difficult yes. <laughs> in, in actually taking action on it. It's not easy, but it, the concept is simple and it is so, there's so much truth in it. And it's a matter, I speak to it in the, in, in the focus arena, you know, you can choose to focus on the challenges and the fear and all of that. But if you instead seek out and focus on all of the good, like you said, there's so much that is good and amazing in the world. And we just need to um, seek that out and realize um, all that's available to us. Now, um, you, you think of it as a, a fear cycle, like how, what, how does that work for you? You had mentioned that before. Yes, because we gather more stories to back up what we believe. Ah. And so the cycle continues and it gets proven day by day, week by week. So breaking that cycle um, is, is difficult because we get positive proof all the time <laughs> that it's true. And uh, as a, as a result, breaking the cycle really takes some outside input. We can't pull ourselves out of that. It's it's almost like a fish bumping up against the glass. He can't see that glass, but it's definitely stopping him from getting over there where he wants to go. And And only someone from the outside looking in can give that insight. And so I say, if you're in that fear cycle, get someone to have a fresh, a fresh perspective for you that can reflect back the story and help you to un unravel that and let it go. Yes. I love that. That is so important. You know, we, we often think that we, 
we can do it all and we want to help other people, but we don't want to ask for help and reach out for it. But we we need that external perspective sometimes. I think that's really, really good advice. Um, I know that you have a lot of other great things that you're doing and resources for people. So I just want to take a moment and and have you share how people can get a hold of you. And I know that you've got something very cool for our listeners. So if you can share that as well, tell a little bit about that as well. That would be fantastic. Thank you so much for giving me that opportunity. My website is really simple, lanamacara.com. And over there, you'll see just dozens of different testimonials, videos of people talking about how they got free from this fear and anxiety that we all suffer from. And I also have a free video download, which is really short. I think it's about eight minutes. And it is a demo of some brain science techniques of body movements that you can do. And it will help you get rid of negative thinking. So I call that throw away negative thoughts in seven minutes or less. It's really cool. Oh, that's awesome. So I will make sure that we add a link to that in the show notes so that all of our listeners can take advantage of that wonderful free resource, that gift that you're offering. Thank you so much. That's fantastic. So I'm wondering if you have any other thoughts for us here about, you know, how to release the story or, you know, what people can do. You know, I guess your final parting words of wisdom, advice, anything that you can think of that will help people to move forward just a little bit easier, a little bit more joyfully. Oh, wow. It is really so simple, but it is so profound. And that is to simply notice when you have those thoughts, those fearful thoughts, those that negative thinking, just notice it and realize that's not you. That's just a pattern. That's just a pattern of thinking in your in your mind and then find someone and get some help for it because you can be released quickly and easily it isn't as hard as you think Mm. I love that and I think that you know the the things that you've spoken about here are even though people don't have the same story as you they many many people have the same relationship to fear and that cyclical nature of it and feeling like you're repeating the stories in our heads. And so I think that what you're saying here is so very important for people to be able to recognize it, release it, refocus and ask for help in this whole process. Lana, this is amazing. I really appreciate your time, your energy, your wisdom, your advice here. And I encourage all of you listeners to check out that link in the show notes and and check out my top 10 actions to increase energy and results and to share this message with others so that they can get in on this great advice from Lana as well. Lana, thank you so very much. Thank you, Heather. It's been great. You have a wonderful day. Thank you.